Welcome back, listeners, to the latest episode of Loss of Lieutenant. Uh, you're here again with Nick, and I'm sitting down tonight with... Kevin. So, uh, the dynamic duo coming back at you. I've returned. That's it. Um, but so, yeah, t- uh, tonight's episode, uh, we're going to be having a chat about uh, the recent two-day tournament that, uh, that was held down here in sunny Melbourne. Yeah, Burn City Brawl. Just wrapped up on Sunday. It was a very good event. 40 players. Very exciting. First two-day event in Melbourne. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great weekend. Yeah, and I think it's um, like having a two-day event in, in Melbourne was absolutely amazing. Like the, the scene down here has grown so much in the past year or two that uh, there's just so many people now. And to be able to put together a 40-player event, we had a few people come from interstate as well. Yeah, which, it was great. Which is great. And, um, and, and put that together. And um, but uh, yeah, I guess before we get into that, is there you had any games yourself lately, Kev? No, not really. No? I've just been practicing. Uh, well, not practicing, just getting set up for Burn City Brawl. Uh, giving, I guess, I was giving some players some games just so that everyone got felt like they had enough games before the big day. But no, not really. I've been playing with a bit of hack, bit of Rama, bit of Shaz, bit of Starco, just kind of dipping into everything, all sorts of stuff, and not really ever kind of feeling. I don't know. Like, I think it's just because I was running t- this, like helping to run this tournament. I was just like, I don't really have like a focus. Um, you know, somebody wanted, somebody decided, well, I decided to run like a double Maggie list one night just because I'm like, well, let's just see how this plays. So um, I'm looking, actually looking forward to getting back into competitive play now that the tournament's done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, play some, play some real games and yeah, get my focus back in uh, to that as well as the, the, the painting uh, trough I've been in for a little while. Yeah. So, have you, did you finally decide on a uh, on a color scheme? <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting close. I'm getting closer. Um, I think contrast paints are a trap. Okay. Because like, like, well, they shouldn't be. Like, if you're a smart person, you you'll be like, oh, I don't just need to use these paints. But I'm like, I bought all these paints. Like pretty much not the entire set, but quite a lot of them. You know, because I've got more money than cents. And I'm like, well, now I need to use them. So like, I'll just be like painting. I'm like, oh, this color doesn't work. I'll try another color. And it just, you know, I, I, if I had just gone back to my normal way of painting, I would have probably painted most of my shads already. But because I've kind of stuck myself into this corner of using contrast paints exclusively, I've found myself not finding, like, the groove I want to get into for painting shads. And I'm sure it's nothing to do with contrast paints. Like, I think they'd work. It's just... Yeah, it's kind not... of, you've put an artificial restriction on yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I've been play, playing around with, like, trying to not playing around i mean yeah trying to use my normal paints to supplement the contrast which i think is the idea of them if you're you know um you know unless you're a sort of just a person who wants to get army painted quickly you, you might just use them but yeah so i'm going back and mixing everything together again and trying to bring together a cohesive uh color scheme that's like within my range as a painter which isn't great mm-hmm. um but yeah i think the results i've been getting lately have been getting better and i'm like yay i might be able to have an army painted by south perth brawl maybe in like a couple of months time that's the hope anyway yeah cool um well i've actually been branching out myself in my in my own hobby um uh journey because as part of the burn city brawl uh being the biggest tournament we've ever had in melbourne there was a, a real demand for extra tables and uh and terrain to put on the board so i for the first time managed to get around and actually 
the take the pile of laser cut MDF that's been sitting on my shelf for about a year and put almost all of it together. So wow, I was uh, I was super pleased with um, with that, and I was a bit nervous with with how it was going to go because I literally never put together a table myself before, and there was quite a lot of tall buildings on it, and like I I had a um, the mat that I wanted to use, one of those neoprene mats with like streets and things on it. Yeah, where did you get that one from? Actually, it's uh, a cool oh, cool mat. Yeah, I could not tell you off the top of my head actually, um, but it's got like. Um, uh, yeah, streets and, and and lots of detail on it, um, and it is a shame sometimes to to put your to put these um these big sort of one foot square buildings on top of it because it really mm-hmm. blocks all the detail that you get on the mat itself. But yeah, but um but that's how we play the game. So, um, but yeah, I put all put all this stuff together and literally put the last big building together the night before uh Burn City Brawl. Took it all into the uh, to the venue and set it up on on the Friday night for the for the games to start on Saturday. Uh, put it all together and uh, realized that this table, while the buildings on it are all gorgeous, I've, I'd, I'd not really done much painting on them as well. Just um, uh, spray painted them all grey. So it's rather than having bare wood, it's yeah. all um, at least primed. Aye. And then um, I put it together, and then Gav, Gavin Bateman, who came down from uh, from Newcastle to uh, to attend the event. I got his feedback because he's a he's a he's a real veteran and this sort of thing, and he was like, "Nick, what this needs is a bit more fill in the roads themselves." Oh, okay. Because, um, like, you can with that type of table, you can obviously ignore the roads on the mat uh, and just put the table, put the buildings where you want to put them mm-hmm. or to to make it the optimal table, or you can go for something that's a bit more aesthetic and keep the roads there and then fill it in with cars and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I jumped in my car, ran up to Big W and... Oh, that's where those came from. And picked up yeah. uh, two... Uh, two uh, uh, like the, There's a bunch of toys that you can get from Big W, which are the perfect scale for Infinity. So I picked up two, uh, two buses and they're those... Um, what do you call it? Reticulated bus? Reticulated, uh, articulated. One the, of those. The bendy buses. Yeah, bendy bus. Yeah. So two bendy buses and uh, a couple of little garbage trucks that um, that if you push a button on the side, the it makes a, a reversing noise and things oh, like that. Oh, cute! So it's absolutely adorable. Um, and put them down on the table, and it really did make it pop. Um, and that's mm. that was the last mm-hmm. thing that it really needed to, uh, to 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 polish that off. So very pleased with uh, with how that turned out. And uh, now I've got the next um, next few months to actually sit down and maybe put a bit put more paint on them and uh, and and finish that off as well. So yeah, was that the first time that that, that table came out to play? So, yeah, well, I the, that when I put it together on Friday was the first time that all those buildings had been on the same table at once. Okay, right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah, it was the first time it's ever been played on, first time it's ever been all put together. That's great, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, guess I, I had a similar problem with the, the, the table I was building, the little Rubens one from Jackal, is that it, it's, uh, it looks really gorgeous, but it hadn't really been played on that much, so it was trying to figure out what, what would, you know, where the problems might arise, because it's, you know, Rubens, there's, you know, there's obviously lines of fire and there's not that much height, and um, I think it worked mostly well. Um, a, a couple of comments were like, it's hard to hide a tag behind some of it because uh, a lot of it's maybe just the same height as the tag or taller. But then again, you've got those holes from the ruins that, you know, unless you put some shrubberies or something in front of it, it, it could create these kind of annoying lines where a tag would always just get smashed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great to, 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 to get a table out there for a five-day tournament because it really gets a good, a good working through and people can 
give you some you know feedback on it exactly as well. right mm-hmm. and i guess th- this means as well that i now have everything i need to host games at my house yeah so, yeah do you have it i guess you've got the yes you've got a big enough table for it yeah so i could put set it up on the, on the kitchen table and and annoy my wife even more <laughs> yeah no Brittany's pretty happy for that we're um, that, sh- that we're done this 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 uh, uh, uh this weekend mm-hmm. um yeah as supportive as she is she was getting annoyed with the smell of like spray paint and um of me like trying to get like a table finished in like three days and um i had all that ruins on our dining room table for about three days and she was like can you move those stuff i'm like i don't i've, I've got no word for it to go <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just have to think about moving into a larger um house i think yeah but you guys also put together all those little objective markers yeah yeah we did yeah the ones chris o'keefe well his a friend of his well he, chris designed them and then a friend of his in tasmania um made them so um, so it's basically like a little um the 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 bottom part of it's probably an inch tall circular 40 mil yeah. section and then it's got like a satellite dish on a that's right yeah sticking at the top antenna. of it so we had that idea pretty early on to like make objectives that were uniform because a lot of people you know some tables come with these really nice objectives and um, other tables don't have them and then we often just use 40 mil tokens um and we wanted every table to kind of have that feeling that of 3d objectives but we wanted obviously not to spend you know like 10 bucks for three of them um so chris um very you know who's got some very talented friends out there were, were able to design us something that was like uh, pretty cheap uh, looks great on the table and is also really easy to put together um except for the peeling off all the paper from the acrylic that is the the worst job when you've got like 120 odd objective markers that come in i think it's four pieces or five five pieces yeah five pieces so you know, you can imagine that's a lot of pieces of acrylic to peel. That's right. Yeah. And and like looking at, at the way that they were put together, it's not like the, here's two two bits that you clip together and that's job done. It seemed yeah. like they, they were a little bit more fiddly than that. Yeah, so. yeah. So the, the original idea was just to have two bits clipped together so you make a kind of cross. Mm-hmm. But then like we were like, they're like, oh, it looks okay, but we could do with a little bit of, you know, flare, which is why when we added the antenna and the little dish that ended up making like five pieces in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we were really, really happy with how they came out. And they had the logo lasered etched on as well. Um, damn, I'm trying to remember his name. It's Sam something. So thank you very much if you're listening to this episode. Um, uh, they were great and uh, they really helped uh, make the event a unique event. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, from an organizer's perspective, um, what else did you guys put on? There was the, I mean, we had the, a few people come in from, and you guys did an amazing job setting up the whole tournament. I have to say as well as, as yeah, as, thanks. It was it was um, it was a really uh, rewarding experience. Like, I mean, it was. I think when we were like closing up on the Sunday, like one of the guys or one of us was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it was fine. It wasn't that hard. You know, it was pretty easy." And then like Chris was like, "Speak for yourself." <laughs> there was definitely there was definitely some stress, but um, no, it all came together really easily. You know, in hindsight, I think. You know, you look back and go, oh, nothing was really that hard. Like, all the players made it super easy. And we had a lot of inter- interstate support as well. I think we had, what was it, eight people come from interstate? It was That's like, amazing, yeah. So, which is fantastic for the first two dare. Yeah, and um, I mean, it was fairly short notice as well, considering you yeah. guys officially launched the event like three months ago. Three months, yeah. Which is really not too much of a of, of a lead time for that sort of a... No, a no, and I think it's not until you get into the organizing the event that you realize there's a lot of stuff to do like you kind of go well we've got a venue right 
sweet we're done you mm-hmm. know we've got a venue well, we've got a venue as long as we get players and we know we have a lot of players in melbourne with tables and it's providing they come it's like you know not that much there but then you kind of go well oh well you know and we need a registration form okay we need you know like a bank account like somewhere to put the money like what we, what we can spend this money on you know what can we do to make this to entice people to come you know because you know for me you know just just say that we're hosting a tournament and i'm there but at the same time if it's a two-day event you know people are spending good money to come here you want to be like hey we've got patches you know which were also designed by chris uh, o'keefe really really beautiful patches as well so you start kind of adding all these layers on and then before you know it you're like you've got like a 10 sheet spreadsheet of all the things that you're trying to track um between you know registrations and tables and catering because we because uh, we also fed everybody as well so that was uh yeah so you know it it all like i said it all came together in the end and it was really really good and um not terribly stressful but i guess yeah about maybe about four weeks ago i think when we were getting to the end of august i was like hey guys um where what are we what's this what are we doing with this have we contacted this guy do we know if this guy's coming yet? This guy hasn't paid us yet. Can we? But you know, before you know it, you're like sort of snowballing and going, oh. But then it, you know, it's all good. Yeah. In no, the end. As a, as someone with a, with a baby on the way, I can tell you how how quickly these uh, these months can fly by. Yeah, yeah. You're no you're no you're no joke. Like, yeah, you're right. Three months didn't sound like ah oh, yeah heaps of time, mate. Yeah. But yeah, but four weeks to go, we're like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Do we even still have the venue? Like, can yeah. we just double check that? <laughs> You know, so yeah, no, it was great. Um, and I'm glad that you had a good time and I'm glad that everyone I've spoken to had a great time as well. So we're looking forward to running um, the next one or the one next year. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it will definitely be a recurring event. So uh, anybody who's listening, if you couldn't, couldn't make it down, couldn't make it down this year, then definitely, uh, definitely hit us up uh, once it's uh, coming around next year. Yeah. And I think it's like a, a Gavin's event, like Novacore earlier in, was it June? Was it May? Or kind yeah. Of like, something like that. June. It's kind of like being like, that's been like the, the trigger or the, the spark that's then kind of like developed this kind of, you know, pace now that we've got one in Melbourne. We're going to have one in Perth. Um, I know Queen, the Queensland guys, I think already have a two day event or maybe it's just a, a really famous one day event, but I'm sure they'll be next. And then um, we've got a growing community in uh, South Australia as well. So, you know, I just feel like in a couple of years time, we'll have like one in every state. Yeah. And like, if you listen to some of the podcasts that, that come from the over in America, in, mm-hmm. in the States, they seem to have two day tournaments all over the place. All, yeah. All the yeah. Time. And, uh, but, but that's just sort of, it's a very different place to where we are here, where it was not nearly as many people. And there's literally like four cities in, in Australia where people actually play infinity really yeah um, yeah would it would it be big enough and have the capacity to host that type of an event that's right i mean we're trying to obviously we're trying uh, our good friend red has uh been um has moved up to albury uh not bendigo sorry uh to um aaron who i think i said he was from bendigo um no it's uh, definitely albury uh he's doing a great job in getting bringing that together and so maybe we'll building. have a we'll have a regional uh, we may have a regional, regional hub um, or as has been noted if you drive to Albury which is what like three four hours north of Melbourne mm-hmm. when you're already halfway to Canberra and there's already a really good scene there so you know it, it wouldn't be too difficult to kind of make that the meeting place of like you know almost like a tri or tri-state area dual state area you know you've got like the border it's on the border anyway New South Wales might 
make it something that can happen in the, in the future i know it's been talked about yeah and, and but also just the 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 advent of of all these more two-day tournaments that are happening uh, in general in australia so it used to just be that CanCon was was pretty much it from what i understand yeah um, i think so and then um gav up in newcastle started doing he's done battle in the vines and then he's done uh nova core this year and now we've done this and so um it's it's almost like we're starting to get a bit of a circuit happening. yeah 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 and, and yeah. all these tournaments are fairly evenly spaced around the year with CanCon happening in in january and then uh, uh Nova Core in the middle of the year, and then uh, this one. Uh, what month is it? September. Yeah. Um, so whether or not that 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 keeps going with that same sort of schedule next year, we don't know, but we'll we'll wait and see. And then then yeah. So it's it's not like everything's happening all at the same time of year. You can you can space it out like this and and get people who are willing to travel and yeah. and want to want to experience what these different uh, different areas and different metas are like. They can um they can pop around wherever they need to. And it gives people who are uh, you know keen beans to to do all four or five of them a year. But also for those who maybe have families and who are not as flexible with their time off, then at least if there's four or three or four of them to choose from a year, they can pick one and they can at least get one two day tournament a year, mm. you know, in another state, uh, hopefully that, you know, that they can meet other people rather than just going to CanCon. And uh, so I think that's that's really good, too. I think that that'll help the community, I think, overall. Maybe we can make like a like a grand slam type thing where if where you you've got it, you get points for going to every event and then it all adds up together as well as as some sort of national national league. Like an but yeah, so like maybe like at like one of the events, CanCon for instance, you know, you can have the winner of CanCon, but also maybe the Grand Slam winner or the yeah whoever. Who knows? Yeah, this is yeah. this is me, me just me spitballing. But um, otherwise, you said maybe uh, CanCon may uh, fall. Or by the wayside a little bit with the with the real, with the well, revelations that come out in the news yeah, recently. Yeah, I mean that's something that, that I that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember if it was in our last episode or the one before, but yeah, with all these extra two day tournaments, it means that while CanCon is still considered by I'd say it's still considered by pretty much everyone as the flagship Australian tournament, it's no longer the biggest. Um, no, with, no. Which because it was um, it was superseded by by Novacore this year. Um, so what that looks like in the future, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But um, I don't I don't think because um, I mean Canberra is still a very central place. Mm-hmm. It's, that tournament being held on the Australia Day long weekend means it's a, a it's a holiday for everyone in the country. To, to so if people do want to want to get there, they they sort of do have the time off generally. Yeah. And um, so if if that still keeps its its position as the as the at the top of the tree then I, yeah I, I don't have any reason to believe that it, it wouldn't um i i look at it as being a case of you know the more events you have the more people that can come to them um it's not like a build it and they will come yeah yeah it's not like you have a hundred people and then suddenly if you have two events suddenly you only get 50 each that's sort of not the way it works um i think it's just encouraging um more people but what i was getting to was what you said to me before we started recording and what's been going around in the news lately oh, as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. About, about, so, about poor old Canberra, well, not poor old Canberra, but about the state of the ACT. Yeah, so <laughs> um, just something we mentioned in passing because it came up on, on my news feed that, uh, that cannabis has been, has been legalised uh, or, or uh, personal use uh, has been legalised in the ACT as of like two hours ago from recording. So um, whether or not that actually still sticks, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But um, but what uh, 
what what impact that'll have on on CanCon? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, uh, for people who don't know the, the the logistics of Australia, like you know, most of the states in Australia are very very large. You know, like the state of Victoria itself is larger than all of the United Kingdom, but then you have the ACT, which is essentially just Canberra, right? And it's you know suburbs. So if you have this teeny tiny little state that suddenly is a place where you can buy and smoke marijuana. Yeah, so or you can grow it, sorry, you can't no, buy it. No, so it's 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 not a state as well, it's a territory. It's a, it's a territory, yes. And so I think that has something to do with why they were able to make oh, okay. the law, I'm not sure. Um, because there's um, from what I mean, this could be completely unfactual i know nothing about how the laws in in the act work but i think they don't actually have their own police force all the act police force are the same as the uh the federal police oh okay um and i think that might have something to do with it i don't know yeah but just if you're traveling for cancon or if you're traveling out of canberra i don't know i don't know if there'll be like more more stops on the roads you know <laughs> more rbts is like pull over sir where have you just come from uh hmm. yeah but we'll see how that oh, shakes sorry out. the next line in the in the article i've still got it up here it says the laws will not come into effect until january 31 what which is going to be after CanCon. ah that's uh so that's, that's okay that's tragic that is so no stoned infinity players yeah. next year well maybe there will be anyway who knows well yeah i guess so <laughs> we can't drink there so yeah Cool. Well, Kev, how about um, I take you on a bit of a journey back to uh, back to the, the Burn City Brawl tournament, run through some of the games that I had, and I can uh, reflect, or we can reflect on, on, on how that went and, and go from there. What's that sound like? I am excited to hear your story. Okay, great. Well, um, happy to, I'm happy to regale you, mm-hmm. Kev, as, as, as always. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for. That's too. right. So... Um, I came in on Friday night and set up my table, and uh, after I'd set the table up, there was a, a game happening between Val and uh, and and Dean, who's a, a newer player, and I was helping out. De- that Dean's playing Imperial Service, which uh, which I've got quite a bit of experience with. Val also playing uh, Imperial, Imperial Service. Service now yeah. Val, Val and I started playing Imperial Service at exactly the same time, actually, mm-hmm. um, and took very different paths with it. But um, so Dean's there uh, learning how to play. Uh, the faction as well, pretty much. Yeah. And so I was helping him out. And then um, Ben uh, Calerio, who's uh, one of the guys from uh, out west of Melbourne. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, where to be? You, yeah, out, out that way. Uh, he was there as well. And um, th- at the same time, uh, you and the two Chris's were finalizing the draw for the net following day. So, um, Kev, you yelled out to me and asked if I had a grudge for the for the next oh, day yeah yeah and uh i was like no i don't um dean uh who i was helping play i was like dean would you like a grudge match uh, tomorrow morning he's like no thank you <laughs> and uh so uh, ben was sitting uh next to the table there and so i said okay then ben would you like a grudge match and he's like yes i will <laughs> so i'd actually had um a couple of practice games against ben leading up to the tournament and round one was uh transition matrix uh, which was one of the games that I had practiced with Ben. Probably one of the more frequently practiced games in the lead up to Burns City yeah. Brawl, by the sounds of things. It's, I mean, it's not the easiest one, and there, and there is some uh, some sort of traps you can fall into, mm-hmm. um, and there's a couple of different ways you can take it. Because, the, because that mission does have such a dense uh, hacking 
uh, I guess, opportunity with all the friendly repeaters across the table. You can sort of lean heavily into the hacking side of things or like what a lot of people did is just completely ignore hacking entirely, not have any hackers in your in your force. So I came up against Ben and um, the we on, on, on the day and it uh, it was funny because the the table that we ended up playing on was that same table oh that, yeah it was uh, yeah because we did Val and Dean had been playing I think had you gone home already and then I we did the draw and I was like hey look what table you're playing on tomorrow and he was like oh okay that's that one yeah, which also just as a note Dean's girlfriend built yeah yeah so that's uh, mostly Knights of Dice stuff I think and um, I actually bumped into Dean like a few months like a couple months ago like after I announced it bumped into him in Knights of Dice studio and I was just like, oh, hey, Dean, I haven't seen you in ages because he, he is a, um, he's actually been playing for quite a while, but he hasn't been playing regularly. He dropped off for like a couple of years and I was like, hey, you should come to Burn City Brawl and he was like, oh, yeah, actually, my, my partner's building a table, um, which is not really for Infinity, but it'll look great on the table. I was like, you should definitely bring it and I'm so glad that he did because it was such a unique table. Like, I guess you'll describe the whole thing in your game, but I just wanted to mention mention that. Yeah, so the table itself is a um, it's the carnival table um, where it's like got a Ferris wheel and a haunted house and bumper cars and, and like a carousel and all yeah. that and all that sort of stuff on there. So and it was absolutely gorgeous. And then while I was watching the game with Dean and Val the previous night, I was a bit concerned about how it would go um, in terms of because there was a, a, a few open ish mm-hmm. parts of the table but yeah. but um it, it did because t- there was nothing on there that was ridiculously high and when we when we ended up playing when i ended up playing on it with ben I, we basically just said that like there's the that you could fit a, a, a size two model on the very top of the ferris wheel and it would have like a <laughs> commanding view of the entire table and yeah. we're like we were just like we're not playing on the ferris wheel and it's like no no we're not playing on the yeah <laughs> so 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 yeah it went fine um we 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 start to set up and uh and do our our uh initiative roles and uh ben won the role and he elected uh deployment okay and so he because it's a, it's one of those missions where you kind of want to go second because it's uh it's scored at the end of every game round uh, and because going second means that you get that second uh, second move to be able to counter whatever it is your opponent's done. That's right. Yeah. So so he elected deployment and uh, and chose the side that uh, I was actually glad that he chose the side that he did because I preferred the side that I'd gotten in the end anyway. Um, it had a bit more uh, a bit more heavy stuff to put my impetuous troops behind because so I had one list for day one and one list for day two. They were very similar, um, but I'll, I'll run you through what each of them had. So my uh, my day one list, uh, which so day one's transition matrix, acquisition and unmasking, all the all the big brain missions that uh, take a lot of a lot of thinking. Yep. Um, also the only ones like on day two, you literally needed no specialists at all, but- um, No specialists, no objectives. Nice and, yeah, nice very and straightforward. Nice and easy, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so my list one, we've got a uh, uh, starting off with a Celestial Guard with the Quangxi control device, which means I can take four Quangxi, which I absolutely do. A, uh, a Liberto mine layer, um, which I've which has done a lot of work for me and did a lot of work for me over the weekend. Just having that extra um, extra mine, extra or two camo markers in the midfield. It's not up to halfway, um, except for 
say acquisition where you've got a 16 inch deployment zone, then you can still get to halfway. Um, So it does really put put a lot more uh, saturation in that midfield area. Yeah. Um, I've got a Guilung uh, with a deployable repeater, MSV1, and um, who's a forward observer and also, yeah, and he's a forward observer, also has AP mines, which is great. Um, in my opinion, the Guilang is probably the one of the best units in the game at the moment. Um, and I'm actually probably going to be considering taking two in the future because our AVA2 only took one in each list this time, but it, it did probably more work than anybody else. Um, except for perhaps the Sujan, who is also in this list. Sujan with Spitfire, who is just my go-to hit piece, really. Yep. Um, very good at punching things in the face. Um, I've also got a Ninja Killer Hacker in um, in, in this group, and a Zan Ying, with, uh, the one with Sensor and um, Mad Traps. So Mad Traps, I love them, and have really um, they really take your opponent by surprise quite a lot because they really have to think about how they're going to approach that type of a that type of a challenge so that's group one and then in group two i've got the uh the dao ying lieutenant level two hacker so a, a regular hacking device a uh, a, a T, a hmg tr bot uh the eight point flash pulse bot uh two shaolin monks just the five point ones with chain rifles and smoke grenades a mons trucker uh, which is a excellent engineer because I've got I've got a couple of remotes and then the Sujan as well is a um, has structure yeah. has structure so it can repair all those sorts of things and then finally a Tiger Soldier paramedic so he's a specialist he's got a combi rifle and a light flamethrower which is a great combination of weapons and um, ballistic kill thirteen drop troop with mimetism. I forgot the other BS thirteen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's really quite quite strong. So before you go into your second list, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, unless they're really similar, um, they, no, they're pretty much identical. Okay, yeah, I'll let you talk about your second one, and then I'll, I've got a couple of questions. Yeah, so the, the differences between the two lists is list one has a Sujan, in list two I've taken out the Sujan, replaced it <gasps> oh with goodness. I know, and don't worry, was, <laughs> each of my opponents on day two was like, wait a second, where's the Sujan? <laughs> <laughs> um, so list uh, my my day two list instead of the Sujan has got a Dao Fei assault hacker oh. who's a heavy infantry infiltrator yeah and um, which which is a great thing to have camouflage as well which is a great thing to have and so it's got yeah the Dao Fei and then a second Tiger Soldier oh wow so instead of having the paramedic Tiger Soldier for this to be a specialist my two Tiger Soldiers in this one one of them's got the boarding shotgun the other one's got a Spitfire. Wow, Spitfire. So you were able to drop the... How much is the Dao Fei compared to the Sujan then? Dao Fei is 59 points. Mm-hmm. Dao Fei is exactly the same... Yeah, Dao Fei costs exactly the same as the Sujan. Okay. That, that, so sure, Oh, yeah, the second list doesn't have a ninja either. Ah, I see. So, so, you went, you went so list AD. one's got a Sujan and a ninja killer hacker. List two has got a Dao Fei assault hacker and a second tiger soldier. Okay, gotcha. All right, so... First question is, you haven't been drawn by the Mwang then. I've seen a lot of Yujing players move from the Sujan to the Mwang because they seem to accomplish very similar things in that they get in your face and shoot you to death and they're very resilient. I really like the Mwang in, as part of the Invincible Army. Mm-hmm. And when I have played the Invincible Army, I've run the Mwang a few times with, with mixed results, but it, but it, is, it is a good 
uh, hit piece. Yeah. Um, but and it can take advantage of the lieutenant level two orders. That, that's true. Yeah. What I found was there was probably only a few turns where I wasn't using the lieutenant level two orders on the lieutenant himself. Yeah, to do the... Because I would buff a remote and then use the second one to go back into camouflage. Yeah. I got so many drop... I got drop troops in each list. So I'm buffing the assisted drop and then going back into camouflage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of used... And even in, in, in a couple of turn, a couple of missions, the lieutenant used those orders himself to go and start to do stuff because he, cause I needed another specialist on the field yeah he's a, he's a fairly capable specialist as yeah. well like so he's a whip 14 hacker yeah is not he's a uh, he medium infantry is he the only yeah medium infantry so it's only four two move yeah but um it doesn't get that forward deployment if you want to use it exactly and so. then, yeah okay yeah okay and then um i guess the other one i thought found was interesting and, and i and i like this profile a lot but i don't see it that often is that zan yang mm. with the Sensor and the mad traps and yeah, the so, Barriga rifle. So it just seems to be a really solid profile. Yeah, he's got he's he's got amazing he's got a huge kit actually. He's got a breaker combi rifle, Nimbus grenades. Oh yeah, Nimbus, yeah. Um which I never which I haven't used. I didn't use them all weekend, I've never used them before. I know when I could be could want to use them. I've just never not had that situation. Yeah. Um and mad traps as well. But on top of that he's got bioimmunity, so Shock and viral ammo do nothing against him, mm-hmm. or nothing special against him. Yeah. Um, sensor and six sense level two, um, and sensor is just one of those skills that, in certain situations, can really uh, solve a lot of problems for you. Um, things that you can do with sensor, like, and this happened to me actually in a couple of the games on the weekend. I had a whole bunch of camo markers around the middle of the table, not just the midfield, but like the center of the table. Yeah. And they would walk up with sensor and one order, they need to roll a 19 or less. So yeah. as long as they don't roll a 20, every single one of those camo markers is revealed. Yeah. Yeah. And I can find that as well with the mad traps. Like, not that you may be worried about your Dao Ying, but I guess he has, you know, his camo state, so he's not super vulnerable. But if you have like mad traps also just scattered around there too mm-hmm. ain't nobody's gonna waste time trying to get rid of your lieutenant yeah that's exactly right yeah which is which is real cool as um, well yeah but then with i mean with the sensor as well triangulated fire mm-hmm. is a is a bit of a niche skill but when you use it it can be an absolute lifesaver yeah um so for example i found out this weekend that you can use triangulated fire to shoot into close combat and oh yeah yeah not and it's impossible to hit your own guy because the the caveat around shooting into close combat is that it applies a negative six, and if you missed because of that negative six, then you hit your own guy. But if you're using triangulated fire, that negative six doesn't exist. It's That's a right. different negative three modifier. Yeah. So it's not possible to hit your own troop. Which is really great. Yeah. yeah. Like again, you like you say, it's a niche niche skill. Um, but yeah, in a pinch, if you're in that position, like oh, I have this tool. So yeah, I really like those 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 profiles. So yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I get then on the other the other list where I've taken out the Sujan and the Killer Hacker. I had the that I re- I had the Killer Hacker in there mainly for transition matrix, mm-hmm. just because there's hacking everywhere, and I do have a Sujan which can be vulnerable to hacks. Yeah. Uh, so if my opponent does decide they want to start assault hacking me then i've got a bit of an answer to that yeah yeah um 
I mean, was that was that the reason? Because then, obviously, in the second two missions, they're very they're quite killy. Well, quite killy in that they're quadrant control and annihilation. Uh, not having the Sujan replacement with the Dao Fei, you know, do you feel did you feel like you maybe lost some of your 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 punch then, or did you make up for that with the Tiger Soldier Spitfire? Yeah. So the the two Tiger Soldiers. Um, I mean, everybody. When you're playing Yujing, you can always expect a Tiger Soldier because mm-hmm. it is just such a strong drop troop. But in vanilla, they're AVA 3, right? I could have three of them if I wanted. And I have played with three of them before, and it's great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have two of them means that, and this happened a couple of times in, in my day two games where I'd bring the one on, and then they're like, okay, I, the, my opponent would be like, okay, I've dealt with that. But then the second one would come on, and be like, oh no, I have to deal with another one, and yeah. I've already expended the things that i were optimal to deal with it last with to deal with the last one sort of thing yeah so i guess uh, actually on that vein that was the last question i was going to ask you is so you're saying like i took a guilang guilangs are great take a tiger soldier tiger soldiers are great but then they have competing profiles now they have the zen chef you know to compete with the guilang and they have the lu jing to compete with the tiger soldier so i know obviously those two profiles are more expensive but did you look at those profiles and go, oh, let's maybe have a look. Maybe let's try them instead. Yeah, you, you've kind of hit it on the on the head with what you said before, that those profiles are more expensive. Yeah. So each of these lists has got, group one has got 10 guys in it, and group two has got seven. So I got 17, 17 models orders, yeah. on the table with each of them. Mm-hmm. And if I was to spend, instead of 27 points on a Guilang, 35 points on a Zencha or instead of 25 points to, to 30 points on a Tiger Soldier to 40 plus for a Lujing, then I wouldn't be able to fit all the other toys that I wanted. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's definitely a place for the, for the Lujing, I think. Um, when you've got access to the Guilang, I don't, th- I don't see myself taking a Zencha. Yeah, um, because I think their vulnerability to mines or their shock is just ugh. yeah, the, like they're they're one wound, no wounding cap, heavy infantry, um, which means they're vulnerable to hacking. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they're also they don't have shock immunity like so much of the uh, these uh, sort of diet heavy infantry have shock immunity or, or bioimmunity to sort of effectively give them two wounds. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Zencher doesn't have that, so yeah. If he walks in front of a, of a mine, he's done. Yeah. But um, and then the like the t- the Tiger Soldier. Let me just quickly check what the ballistic skill of a of a of a Lu Jing is, because I'm not actually sure. But the I mean the Tiger Soldier for such a good price, uh, with ballistic skill thirteen and mimetism. Sure, the other guy has pretty much effectively two wounds, but end that explode level X. Yeah, you're, you're kind of losing it in the mimetism, though, when you take the Lu Zheng, which is really nice for the Tiger Soldier, and the Light Flamethrower, which is also yeah, really nice yeah, for the, the Tiger Soldier. The, the Lu Zheng's got, um, got Ballistic Skill 13 as well. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, the fact that all of his profiles only have one weapon, mm-hmm. whereas, I mean, on one of my lists, I took the Tiger Soldier that's got two weapons and is a specialist. Yeah. Um, so he's got a full gamut yeah there's a little bit do. more uh, flexibility in both of those profiles the Guilang and the Tiger Soldier when you compare them to because I think I'm not sure top of my head of how many profiles there are but I would hazard a guess there's like four or five for both the Guilang and the Tiger Soldier when you look at the Zencha and the Lu Jing there's probably what three four maybe at most yeah I mean there's three Zencha profiles the cheapest one for 34 points does have a pretty decent kit of a submachine gun DEP and anti-personnel mines but 
the real uh, benefit you get from the from the Guilang is his MSV one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's he's really great at hunting other midfield skirmishes or midfield camo yeah. because, because he's just he's got uh, a willpower 14 as well so he's he's identifying everything all the time mm-hmm. or discovering <coughs> everything all the time yeah msc one is real real handy yeah mm-hmm, for sure so that's the sort of breakdown i guess on 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 why i took those okay i've, I've really been enjoying the the monstrucker as well as a as a specialist it's only it's 13 points um armed with a submachine gun chain rifle and drop bears so it's got a bit of a, it's got a climbing plus as well, which I've never really used, um, but I can definitely see the sort of situation where that would come in handy. Yeah. Um, but the fact that if you compare this thirteen point engineer with your basic line infantry uh, engineer, which would be fifteen points, uh, which has just got armed with a combi rifle. Yeah. So you're paying an extra two points, getting a regular order because the the monster trucker is irregular, but. I tend to find that I was using, I was spending that point, uh, sorry, spending that regular order anyway. And um, I've got a, a, a vanilla faction, so I'm not spending command tokens on reforming links or anything like that. So I can always spend those to to convert that irregular to a regular order if I need to. Yeah, and he's, he's probably not doing that much in the day-to-day. Like he might be spending that irregular order to either go into... Sp- because he's got a submachine gun. He's got a submachine gun. So you so want to suppress a fire, or you can drop drop bear, and then you know, sweet. If you don't need that order, you yeah. can still do something useful. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of people use those in vanilla. I've been using them in hack over my own one, and I think most people would agree. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, it's it's a it is a really good profile. And even um, you know, I guess the Libertos. Everyone knows how good the Libertos is, but. Um, like you say, being able to have three camera markers down in the midfield rather than just one, kind of. You know, while the mine layer sort of does reveal probably that's you know eight inches, it doesn't convince an opponent exactly what's underneath those three. Mm. And I'm, um, with the way that I've been playing the ninja as well, I've been putting it down as a regular. Oh, camo, okay, yeah, not right. a, not a to camo marker. Right, that's so that's really good. In each list, I've got five camo markers because there's the the Guilang, the Liberto, and a mine. So that's three. The ninja and then the Daoying. Okay. And I put them all down as regular camo. Everything in the midfield, or obviously the the mine is standing up, but the Liberto himself, I would put him standing up as well. Yes. And then a third one, if it's the Guilang or if it's the ninja near them, standing up as well. Yeah. Okay. So from a, from the opponent's perspective, they're looking at these three things, none of them being prone, which means any one of them could potentially be a mine. That's a, yeah, that's a great move. Yeah. It's a, it sometimes requires a little bit of, uh, a little bit of balls and also made the, the terrain to be right. But definitely for the Libertos, like I stand both of them up mm. all the time because you know, your opponent's going to not know which one's which and he's going to have to approach both of them. Like they're one or, or like they're one or both. Yeah, which is exactly. Really, yeah. Um, then I guess on the, this, the second list changing out the Sujan for the Dao Fei, um, I've really enjoyed playing with the Dao Fei, um, just because it is such a such a, a heavy piece mm-hmm. underneath a camo marker. And this this happened in in the game that I in my fourth game, which was um, Quadrant Control against uh, Jacqueline's Foreign Company. Um, I put my I deployed everything, and there was no Sujan on the table. And she looked at me and said, "Yeah, where's <laughs> what's going on? Where's the Sujan? Yeah, you, you're." You, you have a reputation, Nick. You're supposed yeah. to be playing a Sujan. <laughs> um, 
I love it. Mind games. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. she spent the f- the entirety in uh, like her first the first two turns probably it was convinced that I had a um, a hacktow hacktow yeah missile launcher just waiting for the ult- optimum Ooh. time to, to shoot at her, nice. which I which I which I didn't, um, but she was absolutely paranoid about it. Um, I ended up losing that game terribly but the, that's that's beside the point mm. um that's good to good to throw a throw a bit of spanner in the works of your opponent every yeah because again, she, yeah. she was looking at everything that was on the table and obviously not knowing what's under all five of those camera markers i put down you've got no idea how many points are gonna be around there mm-hmm. and also the fact i've got two drop troops which i mean it's over f- yeah over 50 points worth of drop troops there as well so there's not very much on the table at the start yeah. for, for the opponent to be like, okay, that's something that I want to take care of because you don't even, they don't even know. What's no, that's, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I like it. I like your, I like your, uh, your thinking there. Okay. So we've gone through the, the lists. Um, I guess we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into your first game against, uh, Ben, ben. from Werribee. Yeah. So, um, like I said before, Ben won the the role and picked deployment. And he was playing nomads, right? Uh, vanilla nomads, yeah. yeah. So it was vanilla nomads, but it had a bit of a, I guess, more of a lean towards uh, towards Bakun, uh, not Bakunin, um, a Tunguska. Okay. Because he's got uh, there was a Hollow Man in there. There was a Kreza Borax, um, and uh, and uh, uh, those were the main things um, that were on the tape, like the main sort of pieces that i was afraid of yeah and then there was a whole bunch of camo markers that he had as well and 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 also all other well i don't remember exactly what was in the list but but a few other bits and pieces as well so um i had the first turn and sort of knowing that i was already on the back foot from the start i'm like okay i'm gonna go as aggressive as i possibly can and uh secure the middle zone uh as best i can and then just weather the storm that he throws at me so for my deployment, I'd put my um, my lieutenant camo marker right in the zone for my uh, the the marker on my left, mm-hmm. and then I'd put the um, uh, the uh, Zanying in the zone for the marker on the right. So I had those two guys sort of defending my home location. So he's one's a camo marker and is hard to root out because of that the other one's got the mad traps so it's hard to root out because of those and then i started advancing with the with the Su- with the sujan as you do and um oh actually sorry i i first started off with the with the guilang um to, because there was a quite a few camera markers there and i wanted to deal with those yes um went up with the guilang first took out a few things before he ended up going unconscious and that then after that he'd repositioned his um Kreza Borax on top of a building which had a like a commanding view of pretty much half the table so I'm like okay I don't have anything that's going to be able to take this out like specifically that could that could take this out and on top of the building he had two other guys up there as well so I considered dropping my drop troop in but there was just no angle around there where I could get a good good line on it and then also running my Sujan up there was a bit of a risk because um he did have quite of a distance to go and to get up onto the roof would have still been a bit of an effort. So I'm like, okay, um, I'm just going to throw some dice at this thing. So buffed my TR bot and just walked him into good range and had a bit of a dice off. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I think I, I, I don't think I killed him on my turn. I think I ended up killing him 
on his t- on his turn. So, uh, so was it during his your turn that he like dodged the Kriza interview? Or no. So I'd 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 moved up my my TR bot, and uh, like sort of to pin down the spot where the Kriza would come from. Oh, and then okay. he's moved the Kriza up and to, his, and to his sort turn. of yeah right to, okay to, yeah, to yeah, take yeah. out um some other things but then he had to deal with it with the tr bot yeah well. right okay and so um managed to take him down and then after that it was the uh it was the sujan's time to shine so literally staying in um in in not combat form uh mobility form the whole time so cat mode like storming halfway around the table moving forwards taking out the designated target um mm-hmm. <clears throat> running back and taking out the um so he'd advanced up the up the right flank up his right flank my left um with the hollow man to try and take out what was my um lieutenant under yep. the camera marker but he couldn't discover it and um there was like the quang shi were around there as well and I th- i'm pretty sure one of my quang shi pit crit with a pistol or something as they usually do as they as they do <laughs> oh excuse oh, me sorry you. i just had a bit of a sneeze there um yeah uh so then the the Sujan was sitting in the so I had I had more points turn one, he got more points turn two because he'd uh, knocked a few of my things out of the center. Then my turn three, the Sujan just goes on a full rampage, runs right, ramshot it basically into his deployment zone, uh, kills the designated target, kills something else, runs back and kills the Hollow Man by shooting him in the back. Okay, um, wow. And then comes back around to sit on the middle point. Shit. Okay, that sounds pretty pretty effective use of the Sujan. Yeah, and so then um, the last, the third turn, final round of final turn of the game, um, Ben drops a drop troop in onto one of my two points, the one near my where my lieutenant was. Um, drops it in, but I, it can be seen by three different guys, and he like we we'd played fairly quickly up to that point, so he did take about sort of five five minutes or so to actually have a real good think about what the best spot to drop this drop troop in was going to be. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, and like, I had nothing against that. I mean, it did take... He, he, he t- did do quite a bit of thinking about it, but we had plenty of time on the clock, so that's absolutely fine. Because um, it was a fairly clutch move that he was about to try and do. Right. So he drops right next to my lieutenant's camo marker, and um, the camo marker shoots and misses... One of my Quang Shi shoots oh my goodness. and misses, and one other thing shoots and misses as well. What, so, what was he? What were you needing to hit? Like, like the I mean the the camo marker needed like twelve, probably eighteens. Okay. Oh shit. Um, oh no. So yeah, everything everything missed, but um, he, that he didn't have really any orders left by that point anyway, so. Um, he had the guy in the zone, but I still had more points in the zone than he did. Right, okay. He, he dropped in a Hellcat. And yeah. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, so right. I had 29, he had like 21. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that, that, that was the end of it. The, um, the result was a minor victory for me. I believe it was uh, 7-3, I okay. think. Which, uh, which I, I mean, I was fine with yeah. um, to, to come out with a win. Did you, uh, so, uh, you know, obviously transmission matrix, the big problem is the hacking. So, 
Um, he did not have any assault hackers. He had two killer hackers. Okay. Might have even had three killer hackers. Yeah. But he 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 sort of taken the 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 perspective that no one's going to take a heavy infantry because well more more that um using hacking defensively against the threat of other hacking so to have all these all these killer hackers here so that if i tried to start to hack anything yeah um because he had quite a few hackable things as well then um he'd have three killer hackers aroing all at the same time yeah i think that's like a common common question or debate that would come up in the lead up would be you know like I, I don't know i never leave home without an assault hacker for the very reason that i may may have an achilles running down my running into my face one day and i just want to just like oblivion that mother you know before he can get too close um I mean, i'm not saying he would have been able to do it against sujan because they're still like bts6 but you know you might get you might get one off and and, and shut down a rampage like that because, yeah, yeah and and I'd kind of before spending orders on the Sujan, I'd kind of tried to bait any hackers because I knew he didn't. He had no hackers deployed on the table because they were all under yeah, camera right. markers. Yeah, they're all like zeros or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what they were, but he had like two or three killer hackers, and they were all maybe one of them was on the table. The uh, one killer hacker I could see. Yeah, but um, he had another two of them that were that were hidden, or, or in a marker state. So I, I spent orders on my TR bot <clears throat> inside the hacking area before yeah. spending any orders on the Sujan just to stuff. see if he's gonna just to see if he would do anything. Yeah, exactly. no, that's a, yeah, it's a great move. Yeah, um, not that not that you might throw your hand away against a TR bot, but sometimes they can be quite nasty. Um, so yeah, walked away with the win there, which I, which I was happy with, minor win, which um, meant that uh, I wasn't right at the top of the of of the rankings. I was sort of mid to top, mm-hmm. but uh, there was an, another player who was uh, who was in the same position as me, who I ended up coming up against next round, who was oh. actually uh, uh, Ben Addison from uh, from White Noise. Oh, look at that! So, so, um, so yeah. Before we before we went into that, we we broke for lunch, and um, lunch was amazing. It was provided by a, a cafe just down the road from from the venue. So, um, really pleased with that. On my on the the question the questionnaires that you did for the meet the player segments, I said the one of the things I was looking forward to most was the lunch, and it did not disappoint. And there was dev- yeah, I was, I was told there was some pulled pork, and uh, that was that was delicious um, by all accounts. So um yeah, I'm glad glad that that went down well. And I guess it made, made it made it so much more convenient for players. Um, you know, it's good to go stretch your legs, but you may not want to walk, you know, a kilometer down the road to go get a Macca's. You might just you know, get some freshly made food. It's yeah, d- same to you. Yeah, and it, it meant that everyone was there together all having lunch at the same... Sure, everyone's mm-hmm. having lunch at the same time, but everyone's all together and socialising and, and, and that, that really um, buffed that aspect of it. Yeah, okay, that's good, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that was great. Um, round two, we moved on to uh, acquisition, um, where you've got three points along the center line of the table, and the, the middle one, the, the ones on the outside, you want to push the buttons on them, but then also hold, have someone touching them at the end of the game, and then the middle one you want to be touching at the end of the game with your data tracker or with your liaison officer. And um, yeah, so I, I, uh, 
I was chatting with Ben before the draw came up and we discussed our first rounds and yep. we're like, oh, you got seven points? I got seven points. Oh, no. You got a minor victory? I got a minor victory. Oh, maybe we could be up against each other. And so, yeah, it was um, it was uh, White Noise versus Lost Lieutenant round two, uh, which, which and, and like I'd have to say, it was probably the most enjoyable game of Infinity I have ever played in my entire life. Really? Um, oh, that's great. And Ben's just such an amazing person and... Like, the way he plays the game is the way this game should be played. Um, in the way that he's constantly communicating with his opponent and explaining what it is that he's doing. Um, and when there's, like, there's, I guess there's a big aspect of, of the game to do with, like, hidden information and, and you know, secret things like that. Uh, but, and, and, and that, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but um, anything that is open information, he's making sure that you know what it is yeah yeah I mean, having having had the pleasure of playing ben as well myself i understand what you're what you're saying and, and honestly i wonder how how ben is able to talk at the end of an event because he's you know he's he's always giving you this information and it's like it's and it's so great because you're just you just feel like he's playing with he's really playing with you you mm. know he's he's almost like he wants you to do well so yeah it's it's fantastic to, to see and we all think that we're you know, good communicators, but Ben's another level of communication. So that's no, great that's right. that you noticed that too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, the mission's acquisition. Uh, we're playing on your desert compound table. Oh, actually. did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so beforehand, we, we discussed how the terrain works, like which bits of the fence you can walk through, how tags can just vault over the fences. If you're shooting through the fence, they're low-vis sat zones. And then you've got the, the narrow gateways and the, and the wide gateways mm -hmm. as well for, for bigger things to walk through and, and, and all that sort of thing. We also played it so that we weren't going to go inside any of the buildings. Okay, yeah. Just yeah. because that would... Because there is quite a lot of buildings on that on that board, and to be constantly taking off roofs and putting them back on, um, we kind of decided it was just going to be more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I I, I let players decide that as well because yeah, for the same reason that there's a lot going on, on that table, and you don't want to be yeah lifting off roofs and forgetting someone is inside this building and getting lines of fire. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I I agree. Yeah, cool. Well, there's nothing worse than turning up to the table that you've got to play on next and realizing that you've lost a model because he's still inside the building on the table <laughs> you were pre playing on previously. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, one thing about acquisition as well is that it's got a 16-inch deployment zone. So quite a... Uh, and I, I found this with your table because I've played on that table a few times. Mm -hmm. With just a 12-inch deployment, it's there's really not that much to deploy in. Once you move out that extra four inches to 16, it means that you can effectively deploy inside the compound section. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Inside the fences. And, and that's where the majority of the game took place for Ben and I. Okay, good. Inside, yeah. inside the fences. It was a little bit at the start shooting through them, but most of it happened uh, inside the compound itself. Yeah, yeah, because I guess the idea of that table is like, if it's twelve inch deployment zone, you can deploy in the inside the fences, but only sort of in the middle, and then the outsides are either you have to either come in through one of the gates or go around or over the compound if you want to get up the flank. So it kind of, kind of does like yeah, a normal table setting would force you more into the middle, mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of fan it once you're past the gates. But in a sixteen inch deployment zone, you're right, yeah, you're kind of already in there. Uh, so that yeah, that's cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, so I'd uh, I deployed. Uh, so we did the lieutenant roles or the initiative role, and I had one, and so I elected for deployment, mm -hmm. and I took the the side that I thought was more favourable. That it's it is fairly even, 
in my opinion, on that table, but I just took the side that had a little bit more in the deployment zone and um, then uh, made Ben deploy first, and so he elected to take the first turn. And as, as is a bit of a, a recurrence in, in most of these games with the way that my army's kind of set up, um, he wasn't really able to achieve very much in his first turn because I've got so much camo, okay, I've got yeah. the, the, the drop troops. Um, there, there wasn't very much that he was able to really... He, he couldn't... He didn't... He wasn't able to hurt me in turn one. Um, he hurt me a little bit later on. Because what was he but, running? NC... Oh, yeah. So he no, was an OSS. Uh, OSS. And yeah. so he had... Um, there was like a core link of um, of Dakini, uh, which had a HMG in there. It had um, a CSU as well and, and maybe something else. And then there was uh, 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 like two or three Flash Pulse bots. Um, he had... Um, proxies because you always take proxies apparently yeah um, and, uh, and then a few a few other bits and pieces in in the backfield but his main sort of his main thrust was with his five-man core um through through the middle of the of the board there. oh the dakinis yeah okay yeah yeah um but uh well, I'd... shout out to well not shout out to to ben but i mean congratulate well <laughs> Congratulations, Ben, for running something other than Toha at uh, a two-day right. event as well, by the way. Um, I was like, they're a funny-looking Toha. Ben was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, no, it's good. And they're beautifully painted as well, by the amazing, way. Amazing, amazing, yeah. Uh, I'll have to find out where, where he got them done uh, because they're stunning. They've got some force uh, He told event. me it's a guy from a guy in Spain. I can't remember yeah, his name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he did say that. Um, yes, but Because yeah, my stuff's all been professionally done as well by The Art of Battle. So um, my army, it's all top-tier painting versus... Uh, Ben's army, which is all top tier painting mm. on your board, which is um, which is yeah. amazingly put together by by Rid, um, and and painted up. So it was it was a really amazing spectacle of a of a game. Yeah, as well. great immersive experience, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So then, um, yeah, so I've I've deployed again fairly defensively. All all my uh, all my camo markers around the around the midfield in areas that they can't be easily gotten to for discovery, but also areas where they can be annoying. And uh, so the, 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 like the mines from the, from the mine layer um, went off effectively against uh, uh, one of his bots that he had a, a flash, no, a sensor bot. And uh, it came up, yeah, this is where the sensor came in. The sensor bot came into the very middle of the table and my mine blew up and took it unconscious. But then he comes up with an engineer and fixes it, proceed, uh, advances a bit further and then senses and discovers pretty much all my camo tokens discovered right. the guilang the ninja uh, sorry just the guilang and the ninja were in that zone and um and, and was able to censor those but um what happened after that yeah so it was so so he so he'd done that and then because he discovered the guilang which was my um Liaison, uh, officer. liaison officer yeah. he's like okay you got points on the lia you, like the liaison officer can give you points in this game i'm going to try and kill it so he advanced with um with his liaison officer which was a um uh, a proxy with the two sub machine guns, guns yeah. yeah um advanced around the corner in li line of sight of my tr bot to try and take it out but also as he went there walked through the trigger zone of one of the mad traps Oh no! So he elected to shoot, and uh, I shot back, and I won the face-to-face -face roll on the shoot, so caused a wound to him, which 
or maybe we cancel each other out. I don't think any wounds actually happened. But he then triggered the mad trap and failed his roll. Mm-hmm. So he gets locked into immobilized two on the from the mad trap. But his his engineer's right there, so it's like okay, I'll, he'll walk up with the engineer to try and fix this guy. First engineer roll needing like fifteens rolls an eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, spend another order, do it again, because it's because you're not trying to fix. Like you're you're not trying to repair structure, you can't spend command tokens to re-roll. No, it's not interesting. That's a new. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's not something that comes up that, off, that often. To yeah. Question. Yeah. Right. Um. So then he spends another order on it, mm-hmm. and again, needing fifteens, rolls a seventeen this time. Oh, bummer. And now that group's out of orders, and standing in a nice little conga line, he's got his immobilized uh, Ford Observer, uh, his engineer right next to it oh no and then the um there was like the the helper bot was right next to them as well because it was moving up towards to fix something else and so uh my first turn comes around to do my extremely impetuous and uh my one of my monks was standing at the bottom of a ladder that sort of walked up straight onto that same uh walkway where these three guys were in a line so i moved up to there dropped a um teardrop on top of them with the uh, with the chain rifle, chain rifle yeah. and did a did a did a couple of wounds. Uh, walked forwards again. This time I'm in I'm in range of the of the five man link. The uh, they shot at me. Oh no! And the HMG rounds just bounced off this monk. Oh, no. hit me, like they hit it's me a, with both of them, but I just passed both my. Just the bulletproof face. monk. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, dropped another te- teardrop template on them and uh, did a bit more damage as well. So I uh, yeah so I'd taken out the. Uh, the, I hadn't killed his forward observer, but it was immobilized too, and I had killed the engineer. Right. And um, by that stage, the monk did go down, but for his five points, I think he earned it. So he did, did a pretty good job there. Um, what happened after that? Uh, yeah, so then I started to activate the Sujan, who was kind of off to the side. He just ran through the um, a gap in the fence, and then... Uh, engaged with the five-man core link and took out one of the guys. He could, I could slice the pie to just see one of them with a combi rifle at the back, so managed to take him out. Um, but Ben revealed a hidden um, assault hacker uh-huh. and to try and lock down my Sujan. Um, he failed his hack roll, um, which I was fine with. And um, so then I'd moved my Zan Ying up and planted the second mad trap inside with its trigger area inside the zone of control of the mm. of, of the hacker. Yeah. So I was basically forcing him when I when I was gonna activate to take out the hacker, I'm forcing him to decide is he gonna shoot back or hack back or is he gonna try and dodge the, the mad, mad trap, trap that's yeah. gonna jump on him when he does something. Yeah. So um managed to he 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 elected to shoot back and um Again, neither of us did any damage, but the mad trap activated and clamped on him and immobilized him. Damn. So, um, the very effective mad traps uh, that round. The um, the Sujan engaged the fire team a couple more times then before sort of ending its turn in a defensive or in cover, but in line of fire of the of the five man link. And then he spent his entire next turn moving that HMG around to get him into good range to take out the, the Sujan. He did kill him in the end, but it took plenty of orders for him to do it, so I was absolutely fine with that. 
um, and then it uh, kind of rolled around to my third turn, counted up my orders, and was like, okay, what do I have to do to win this game? I have to touch these points, and I have to drop this, uh, and I, sorry, I have to touch the points on the sides with specialists, and I have to touch the middle point with my liaison officer. So I'm like, okay, move my ha ninja, ninja hacker to this point, touch that one. Uh, my drop troop hadn't come in yet, so I'm like, okay, I can drop the drop troop in right next to this button, spend an order on him, move and push that button because he's a specialist as well. I failed that role, but um, I was still controlling it because I'm in base-to-base mm -hmm. -base contact and then counted up how many orders I've got. I'm like, okay, what I can do now, I've got enough orders for it. I'll put my Guilang back into camo and spend these orders to just move into base contact with the middle point and then as part of my last order, go out of camouflage so i'm holding that point as well okay and that was it right so um i think it, i think i ended up winning eight two Ooh, yeah okay which um Good stuff which is uh if nothing else it was redemption for for, <laughs> for loss of lieutenant um yes because we we haven't had the best track uh, track neck, record nick is our savior <laughs> julian has been uh, is, is stepping down from that that mantle and it is uh, now being taken up by Nicholas, Sir Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so after the game, I, I went and told everybody that would that wanted to listen that I just destroyed Ben, <laughs> and uh, and got quite a few high fives from everyone, which I was very pleased with. Couldn't have happened to a nicer and, man. And I, like I was literally getting chills. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this has just happened. We I managed to beat someone from interstate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Victoria yeah. is not terrible. That's right. And um, what? Yeah. So then um, Ben was like, "Mate, you're gonna have to come over to South to the South Perth Brawl oh, so we can yeah. have another have another game, and maybe maybe um, White Noise can get one up." And I'm like, I said, Ben, I am never playing a game against you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> which is which is which is an obvious joke because, like I said before, it was the it was probably the best fun game I've not the not the best not necessarily the best fun game, but it was like the objectively greatest game of Infinity I've ever played. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what well, um, South Perth Brawl is going to be end of November. Mm. Is that right? Um, and by then you may have other responsibilities. Oh, no, I will, well. I will definitely be, be busy uh, <laughs> with a with a one-month-old uh, baby at that point. So I um, unfortunately I, won't be traveling to, I think, uh, I think, to I think Perth. Ben, I think Ben understands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to get you next year. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so that was my game against... Um, against Ben and it was it was so much fun and I still can't believe that I actually won so <laughs> there you go you did so congratulations well well done so that was round two yeah um we like into round three like I said yeah round two a great game and by by this time by this stage I'm absolutely exhausted though because it was it was quite a the first two missions are very heavy thinking missions so my my, my big brain is having a bit of a bit of a puff but um that's all right because you're about to go into the third round which is a really easy mission as yeah well. which is a really easy mission uh known as unmasking um so i was uh, i came up against jacob who's uh also uh, a member of the lost lieutenant crew so um another one of our uh compatriot podcasters yes jacob was playing uh, oss as well so i just finished playing oss so jump into another game against oss as you do because um, they're quite popular at the moment. From, yeah, uh, they are, they are. there's a few people that picked them up, yeah. even just for this tournament. Mm -hmm. um, 
so uh, we were playing on one of the one of the tables that we uh, get to play on regularly in House of War. Actually, the um, like the the uh, I guess you'd call it like the Asian. Uh, looking oh yeah, yeah, the uh, te, the sort of street looking place. Yeah, 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 with like a little temple on there and stuff oh. as well. Um, and uh, I won the lieutenant role and elected to go first. So then Jacob picked deployment, um, which was fine, uh, and. I, I'm like, okay, I've got to do as much as I can in this first turn because I know he's, as soon as I, I'll, I'll hit him as hard as I can, but I know he's going to hit me back and I just have to make sure that what he hits me back with is not as strong as what I've done to him. So when I uh, started to, I still had quite a few um, infiltrators because it's the same list that I've been using all day, um, but there is an exclusion zone in unmasking, but it's I was still able to deploy my camo markers four inches forwards, which really does help um, oh, yeah. when you're getting t- yeah. trying to get towards those buttons so um went forward with the with the ninja to push a button and um su- rolled uh, rolled successfully because hackers get a bonus in this mission as well so i'm rolling uh it's a plus three and two dice to to succeed on the roll which is very difficult to fail um and so of the three um hvts i picked one that looked like it was in the most defensible, most defensive position. Um, he'd literally squeezed it in behind a wall, a corner, and a car. So there's like one angle that you c- could come at it from. And I'm right. like, if he hasn't made it that one, then this is the biggest shell game I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's definitely got to be that one. And so I picked that one. And yes, I was correct. Okay, good. So, so he wasn't trying to be sneaky, 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 sneaky. No, yeah, no okay. it was... Um, it was just that that's the that's the the best spot to put one and so that's the the spot that he put the one that um that he wanted to put down so they're like okay time for time for the sujan to to do what it does because it's my data tracker uh it he moves moves forward eight inches in cat mode and then there's no aros so i'm like okay i'll move another two inches um as a second move but what i didn't realize that in that second two inches it's exposed itself to a to the top to the roof of of one of the buildings in his deployment zone uh where he had uh, positioned a to sniper um because i i I knew like i was pretty confident that he was going to have the 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 to sniper on there but i didn't expect it to be that building and also i was so cooked by that point i wasn't even thinking about like just do the second move to yeah, okay. to make it into a spot that wouldn't be exposed where the first one was because two inches of movement like there wasn't much in it but um but I'd I'd made a, a bit of an error and so he shoots but I tank the armor save so it's absolutely fine and then my um my TR bot gets to work on shredding that um that sniper okay yeah because and because the TR bot's in the second group as well it's not taking orders away from the Sujan so he can't do what it needs to do. So uh, advance up with the Sujan and uh, blast the uh, the designated target to get my five points and then um, uh, withdraw back to my deployment zone. And that was pretty much all I did in my turn. I mean, at that point, it's all you really need to do in unmasking unless he does the same to you. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's the crucial point you've made there, Kevin, mm. unless he does the same to you, <laughs> um, which he didn't do straight away, actually. He, his first priority was to take out my Sujan so that I couldn't do what I did the first turn a couple more times with his other pieces. Yeah. 
and um, he ad- went forward. He advanced with um, the same uh, the same proxy that. Uh, ben. that Ben had in the previous game, which is the one with the two SMGs. Um, and I'd put my Sujan in a place because I was mostly scared of the five-man link with the HMG. And I think he had a sniper rifle in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was quite a lot of heavy-hitting weapons in his fi- in this five-man Dakini link. I'm like, I don't want that link to be able to get a line on me from anywhere. So I was bunkered up in... Um, pretty much on top of a building. What I also didn't realize was that while the position I was in was pretty good because I had to um, uh, climbing plus to get up there, from the other direction, there was a, just a staircase. Ah. So his proxy has just walked up the stairs on the other side, gotten a view on top of me, and just blasted me with the SMGs. I hit him with a light flamethrower back, which he part of failed both of his, arm, all his oh, armor saves yeah. as well. So they both took each other out. Uh, so his was dead and mine was um, uh, unconscious level two because he'd done uh, like three wounds on it in okay, one go. Wow, wow. So That's instead of going good. to um, knowing Incap, I uh, decided to go to unconscious level two because yep. I've still got the Monstrucker to potentially fix it. And Indeed. he realized that and, and literally said, okay, now I have to spend the rest of my orders this turn to kill the Monstrucker. Like, <laughs> I suppose if you really have to. <laughs> So he's moved around with um, with his uh, with his uh, heavy machine HMG, and um, in the five man link, the monstrucker at this point ha- was standing just behind the TR bot because it had needed to resurrect it the previous turn. Because while the TR bot was taking out the sniper, the sniper won the first face off. So his the monstrucker's come around to fix him, and then. Um, I've won the, the second face-off. Oh, okay. Right. The, <clears throat> so he's sta- the monster truck is standing behind my TR bot. He walks out um, and can see both of them. And so the monster trucker dodges. Uh, the TR bot shoots, uh, misses everything. Oh, no. And uh, the the monster trucker is now just a smear <laughs> on the uh, on the pavement. So I have no ability to, to, bring, my, uh, to bring my Sujan back at this point. Um, and... So, but I still had a couple of things up my sleeve. I still had, um, like, my, my Gui Lang was still there, um, and I still had the Tiger Soldier. So I'm like, okay, his um, data tracker was the... Is it the Azura? Yeah, the, the big... Uh, the, yep, the um, two-wind Norwindon Cup. Yeah, it's the Azura, which was also his lieutenant. And I knew this because he'd spent a lieutenant order on it okay. to do a hacking thing. And um, so I'm like, okay, it's in suppressive fire on a balcony but there's an angle where I could put a model dropped in where it's going to drop in behind the Asura so for the Asura to combat it it's if it hacks the drop uh, then it'll not be in suppressive fire anymore yeah uh, or if it dodge change face I'm okay with that because it won't be in suppressive fire anymore yep um, I'd still be able, even if I, if it does nothing, I'll land behind it and still be able to see it to shoot at it with additional orders. So I'm like, okay, this is the best spot for me to do this. I spend my two lieutenant orders to buff the drop, meaning that I need to roll 15 or less, and I roll an 18. Bummer. So it was a bit of a hail mary from the from the tiger soldier. Um, what would have happened if he had landed there? I don't I, I don't know, but I, he, he could have had a a good go at it. Um, so he scattered off the table. And um, I, so I brought him on, like, 
as far up on my deployment edge as possible. And then just kind of, I didn't have enough orders to get to where the Azura was, but I advanced up the table, put him in a suppressive fire in an area where he could still cover some lanes. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was basically from there, um, Jacob took his, uh, his heavy hitting pieces and started punching me in the face with them. And so... Uh, everything uh, just slowly one by one everything fell off the table and um, he ended up getting all of my uh, kills with kills against all of all three of my things pushed all the buttons and um, and and ended up winning the game but he he only got he got nine points Mm -hmm. so in the end it was it was five to nine so it was still only only a minor victory for him Um, but uh, what were his other heavy hitting pieces then the Asura um, we well, had the Asura that link team was doing I guess doing yeah a lot. that does quite a lot of work if you can, especially if you've got the Apsara I can buff it yeah as well. it had a TR bot which like at one point it was the TR bot was covering this corner in my deployment zone where I had all my extremely impetuous things behind and so in my last turn one after another every single one of them ran out in front of the TR bot and got blown away um, it was my last turn already, though, so they'd already generated the orders that they needed to. So it didn't. I didn't care that they all got blown away. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, so if 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 I'd played that game again, I definitely would have um, probably deployed a little bit differently. And um, I'm not sure what I would have done with Sujan. Maybe left it further up the table in a in suppressive fire, perhaps, or use the orders that I'd spent on it falling back to maybe advance a l- just a little bit further and try and have a couple more um, face-to-face rolls while it was up there. But at the end of the day, um, I was I was outplayed and um, and, and got a cop the loss for it. It happens, unfortunately. It does. But um, but it was still it was still a, a fine game. Like I said, I was like I was my brain had melted by that point. Mm, so so yeah. the fact that I was still able to to to, put, to do anything on the table. Yeah, it sounded like three with. three tough games, three good opponents. Um, on 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 day one, so that's what two 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 um, a major, a minor, and a loss. Yeah, that's right. So the for, uh, minor minor first up, then a major, and then a loss. And but yeah, also the, like the fact that that the three missions on day one were such heavy thinking missions, but then you compare that to what's up with day two, mm-hmm. uh, quadrant control, and then annihilation, which uh, compared to what day one was, yeah, true. very very straightforward missions. So you so you woke up refreshed and ready to go around to uh, day two. Day two, yep. Woke woke up uh, bright and early. I'd had a, I did have a, a few beers the night before at the at the pub where we all went down to to the coach, which is just around the corner from the um, from the venue, and had um, had a foot, good few beers. And that's the uh, the, the benefits of having a, a pregnant wife is that I have a, a designated driver. <laughs> so um, so she came and <laughs> picked my drunk ass up and, and, and took me home, which was nice. <laughs> Nice one, yeah. Uh, but yeah, rock into to day two, and I am up again. Actually, it was the 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 draw was posted on the Saturday night. So while mm-hmm. I'm sitting at a table uh, with um, uh, while 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 Gavin Bateman is effectively holding court um, <laughs> with um with 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 a bunch of 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 eager eared uh, uh, disciples. 
Um, and Jackie was there as well, Jacqueline, who I, who I ended up playing. The, 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 the draws come up and I'm like, Jacqueline, I've got you tomorrow. And she's like, oh yeah, what are you playing? And I said, you'll find out tomorrow. No, <laughs> like, no, no I, 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 I told her that I'm playing um, Vanilla Yujing. <laughs> To which he responded, oh, no, not not Vanilla Yujing. <laughs> what? It's not that bad. And um, so she was playing Foreign Company. And uh, I had a bit of, like, she she didn't like the sound of playing against Vanilla Yujing because she's obviously played them a few times and had a bad time. Rob Cantrell's picked them up. So that, <laughs> that's right. Therefore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't like the sound of playing against Foreign Company because I had never played them before. Yeah. Right. So um, this was my first game against against Foreign Company. We did the uh, made our lieutenant rolls and uh, I won. I won. Yeah, I won, and I picked deployment. Um, and we were playing on your other table, your ruins table. Oh, you played that one. As- oh, okay. Yeah. Right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, it's a, it's 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 interesting to play on because. Um, Unlike, particularly with the way that I have structured my list with all the Quang Shi in it as my order battery that tend to just sort of run out turn three, the way your table was structured with instead of the buildings being squares, they were like all L shapes because it's a ruined corner. Yeah. There wasn't really any places that I could put them behind where they weren't going to run out turn two or, or, turn, oh, okay. or, yeah. or turn one even. Yeah, right. And um, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what was in um, uh, uh, Jacqueline's list. So she had a, a five man core <clears throat> of orcs, uh, which included Avicenna and uh, Valkyrie and um, the orcs. She had a HMG in there. She had the foyer back in there. Um, a lot of big, heavy weapons that really work on a ballistic skill 14 or 15 troop, whatever it is. 14. Yeah. Um, I think at some, yeah, at one point she was, she's shooting me on twenties, <laughs> which is just, it's just not fair. No, I it's, know. it's just, it's just it's not. Her panel was a mistake. Like <laughs> don't give anything BS 14 and then put it in a five man. Yeah. Ugh. So, so, um, I won the roll off and elected for deployment. Um, she had her core link castled up in the corner and then just like a smattering of other, camo markers through the middle and then like two things uh, a brawler sniper and a csu in the in the other corner okay yeah um so like, a, like, like a harris then no right? just there was oh, a core link and yeah. then just a bunch of random stuff okay <laughs> i can see you've not played for foreign company <laughs> much before no. orcs and stuff. no it was it was there's five orcs there's a csu and a brawler over there so that's seven and then there was like um, oh it was a limited insertion yeah it was a limited insertion yeah exactly core, there's, there's yeah. not many things on the table for me to really look yeah, at fair like the core link had 200 points in it yeah yeah um so that she goes first and reveals a hidden deployed croc man who proceeds to do a bit of an alpha strike. He doesn't really kill anything on his alpha strike, but he um, managed. He made me react with all my camo markers, so oh, then she okay. knew what they were. Um, because uh, at the when I've finished my deployment and Jackie came over to my side of the table so I could explain to her what was there, she kind of did a bit of a mental calculation, was like, there is nothing of value on the table at all right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And like I said before, she's like, where's the... So this means you're not playing a Sujan? I'm like, that's correct. I'm not playing a Sujan. I'm sorry. Um, I had taken my Guija out of the case as well and put it on the table oh, just to be a bit sneaky. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
also, it's just such a shame that I never get that model out of the case because it's such a beautiful model. So pretty. But um, so she was. She had convinced herself that I had a Hacktow missile launcher hidden somewhere on the table just waiting to strike. And I was happy for her to think that. Um, I didn't, but, um, but, but she definitely thought that I, that's what I had. So um, my turn one, I took out the Crocman... Um, and then advanced up so that I had three quadrants. Um, so I got the points for that, which was great. But then after that, uh, that five-man core link of, um, of orcs with, um, with Avicenna and particularly Valkyrie just started literally just walking up the table. And <laughs> anything they saw would, would just throw dice at it and not miss any of them because they were hitting on like... 17s or 20s yeah. the whole time and just blew everything apart. And I didn't really have anything. I did have a, like, you my, had the, you had I the had the, no, no. Okay. I had the Dalfei Assault Hacker. Yeah. Um, who I had deployed on the complete opposite side of the table from where the core link was. I knew. Um, and when I was discussing it later, like after the game with Jacqueline, I was like, you know what? This point here in this corner here, where I at one point I walked on my um, my tiger soldier. tiger soldier with the Spitfire, uh, so that I had points in that quadrant. I walked him on behind uh, like this plinth. Yep. Um, that had like a little statue on top. Walked on behind there, and I'm like, that point right there is the perfect spot for me to have deployed oh, my Dow Fay because it's. It's like it's much in, in the, the direct line, I, 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 direct line from where the um, the core link is. So as they advance, I get to hack them time and time again while they keep trying to get around the corner to even see me. Yeah, right. But um, didn't think of that until after the game. Um, so could it could have done a bit better on deployment on that. But uh, but yeah, like at the end of the game. Because I, oh, so yeah, so I had more quadrants round one. Round two, the, um, also turn two, her core link had advanced forwards. So she had both quadrants on my right, but I still had both of them on the left. So we had an equal number. And then turn three, I had literally nothing left on the table because okay. it had all been blown away. And so she had more quadrants than I did. So at the end, it was a, a 6 3 loss to, um, so yeah, uh, ja- uh, Jacqueline won 6 3. Yep. Because she also achieved all the other things that you can get points for in that mission, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. At the, at the end, she had two hundred and fifty points left on the table, and I had thirty points left on the table. Um, Fair, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the core link there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything just got just got blown apart. So if if I played that game again, I would have deployed a little bit differently, not too much differently, because I'd still um, been able to advance those expensive troops up the left flank to get those quadrants and that's what that mission is about it's about scoring quadrants each turn and um but when you don't have anything left on the table it's kind of difficult to score quadrants indeed oh well oh it's good though you got to play a foreign company because i don't think we've got anyone in our community playing foreign company i think noakes was playing them for a little while yeah. i saw him have them on the table a yep. couple of times at house of war but i'm not sure if he ever really committed to them yeah yeah i think he he's got a, a few factions on the go but yeah i don't think yeah. picked him up permanent uh, picked him up uh, consistently yet so mm. no, no they, they do 
they, they got a bit of a bad rap at first. Well, not bad rap, but they just seem to be overshadowed by Deschat. Mm. Um, I think maybe people are now looking at them and going, oh, actually, these guys are not that bad. They're pretty solid, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was the first game on day two, and then we went into the final round of the tournament um, and the mission's annihilation, and I'm up against uh, Daniel Galanus, is his name? Yep, yep. Um, and he's, uh, from what I understand, he what he told me was that he's um, he's like a bit of a veteran. So he was played quite a bit a few years ago, but has taken a bit of a break and is only just coming back into the game um, in the past few months. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, I think I played with him uh, one of his first for get back into the game games, and there was a lot. It was a good game. It was, but there was a lot of questions of like, wait, this this rule is not here now. Like this sure. you know, N two N three now we're like, you know, human sphere N three now we're like into you know coming into n4 next year there's <clears throat> yeah there's quite a lot of changes so um definitely um he's getting back into it but he's uh, he seems to be a really solid player as well yeah so it was um he was playing combined army mm-hmm. and it had quite a bit of uh Shazvasti in there um like the his army list I, I i could not name half the things in there i couldn't probably name a tenth of the things in there if you press me because i have no idea what all these things are called but he had two very full combat groups okay right. so it was probably at, at least 17 or 18 models on the table, I'd say. So, I mean, in saying that, I have 17 models on the table as well. Yeah, right. But um, to come up against just that, a lot of camo markers as well. So I feel the way that I, I felt when I was deploying was probably how a lot of, of my opponents felt when they, when I was deploying as well. It's like there's so much camo here and not that much of very much value that I can tell. Um so we were both kind of had the similar build in in that aspect. Yeah, right. Except there wasn't really many things that had uh, much of a real punch to them. It, the, his main hit piece was the uh, Macreb, which is MSV2 HMG. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it still has only got one wound. Um, it had an auto med kit, but it's still, if you lose that one firefight, it goes down. That's right. Um but yeah, I lost the lieutenant role on this one, and uh, he elected to take the first turn, which I was absolutely fine with, because um, I've played... The way that I've sort of been playing these lists is that they are very good at not taking much damage in the first turn, and then counterattacking from there. And so, um, he, I, I, he deployed first, and had four tiger creatures... And so I could sort of see where the tigers were and where they were going to run from there extremely impetuous. So I put my TR bot right in the center of the table on a uh, like on top of a building. Uh, so he's getting cover and um, managed to, in my first turn, kill two or three of the of the tiger creatures just from uh, that yeah. suppressive or not that that um, total reaction fire. Um, and uh, yeah, so like like I said, he 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 advanced forwards and and tried to sort of deal with some of my midfield stuff. Um, tried to take on the the Guilang, uh, which which the the Guilang just managed to survive the attacks that came after him by like drop. I put a mine down or would would dodge when I needed to and and, and that sort of thing. So he had a bit of trouble um, taking care of those. Um, actually, before that happened, though, I he he's elected to go first, and then I am like, okay, well, I'll spend one of my command tokens to take two orders out of your top group, 
And it's like, that's fine, but you're only taking one order out of the group oh, yeah. because of counterintelligence, which is hidden information. Um, so that's something that you got to watch out for these days because um, it's a new rule. Um, and that was, I think, that first time that I've actually had someone, oh, excuse me, had someone who's taking counterintelligence. Okay, well, there you go, yeah. Um, but, I mean, really, like, he had so many um, orders for that. It's just kind of, it is kind of depressing to see, like, a full pool of 10 and then, like, seven or eight on the next line <laughs> instead of him flipping two of them over. He just yeah, flips over one. One, like, yeah. Ah, what, wait, is, what is the point? Spent a command token for that as well. Yeah, yep. but, but by the time that I find out he's got counterintelligence, I've already spent the command token. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, then, I mean, after that, my, my turn rolls around and... There was, I had, um, he'd, one of his tigers had approached really quite close to where my Daufei was. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to get, I don't want the Daufei to be engaging that thing. So I walked on a tiger soldier behind it. And then he's like, okay, I'll dodge change face and, ch- and, and, and turn that way. And so I kind of had, I mean, they're only worth what like five points five points yeah. yeah but they can do a lot of damage with that berserk pretty much the guarantee to do one wound to anything it gets in touch with exactly so i'm like i don't want this thing touching anything so he would dodge in one direction and then i would shoot it from the building with the daufei and so he'd dodge towards the daufei <laughs> and i'd shoot it from the ground with the tiger soldier that had just walked on behind it and he'd dodge in a different direction and um, so kind of forcing him to, because um, he, if I was engaging it, if I was shooting at it with the guy that he wasn't real close to, you can't engage something, like you can't engage in ARO into something that you're not face-to-face with. Yeah, well, he could just dodge, he doesn't need to engage, he can dodge in any direction. True, but what he wanted to do was get it into close combat with something. Right, okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, but... Uh, so I spent quite a few orders taking, trying to take those things out, um, but I feel like it was definitely worth it because even though they're only worth five points, they can be so devastating if they do what it is they want to be doing. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the, the, the Gui Lang went to work and with his MSV-1 just started identifying uh, camo markers putting mines down and like doing sort of the mine tricks where you'll put a place of, you'll be standing on a corner, put a mine down. So the mines poking out around the corner and then your next order, you'll move out to see the thing and they have to decide what sort of reaction that they're going to do. Yeah. Are they going to dodge or are they going to t- try and tank the mine and, and, and face to face shoot you or, or, or they don't really have many options in that sort of situation. So making, forcing people to make difficult decisions basically mm-hmm. was, what, was what I was and trying what to were, do. What were you discovering under those camel markers? I don't know what they Seed were. Seed soldiers, were they? Because I think they um, had like yeah. orders. They're probably like something cheap like them. Yeah. Because they're like 16 points. No, there was definitely, um, it, was, it, was, it was all Shazvasti type stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, what they were, I don't know. Um, could be seed soldiers. Um, Sounds a bit right. He had a, he had a Noctifier. Noctifer? Noct- no, no, second one. Noctifer? Noctifer. There's Noctifer. No, there's, there's, no, there's, no, um, there's no two eyes. Yep. Yeah, it's not a Noctifier. It's a Noctifer. <laughs> and, but he couldn't, reveal it until his third turn and he revealed it to shoot at why couldn't he reveal it because well he sorry he didn't reveal it until my late my yeah it was late in the turn it was like my second turn so the bottom of turn two he revealed it to shoot at a shaolin monk um 
who had moved quite up quite close to it right yeah and so the, the monk while he's shooting a missile launcher at me i just hit him with a chain rifle Oh no, that was really close then. Yeah, he should have just shot you with an assault pistol. Oh, actually, it would, be, it would have been the same result, pretty much. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so the 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 Noctifer, um goes. Do- he's like, oh, should I go dogged or should I go? Mm. Um, uh, what's it called? Unconscious. Unconscious. And I'm like, well, you should definitely go dogged so he stays on the table. And he's like, well, no, but if he goes unconscious, then he's there for the Shazvasti rule. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. when. I pointed out that in Annihilation, the Shazvasti rule doesn't come into play because it's like the Shazvasti rule where they're, the, if they're unconscious, they're still there for points, counts in like uh, zone control missions. Yeah. But Annihilation is specifically about what is actually, what's dead and what's in a null state at the end of the game. Yeah, because this was actually one of the questions that came up in the, on the last day. You, you came up and asked Chris that and then we had it. We were like, no, no, yeah, it's definitely this way because the Shazvasti rule. And they may end up having to go on the wiki and go, oh, wait a minute. It's actually kind of ambiguous when you read the Shazvasti rule because yeah, you're right, though, but normally um, normally it's mostly for dominating quadrants is when you count the Shazvasti rule. Um, but when you are looking at specifically points left, points left over, um, for VPs, it doesn't count. But because Annihilation is all about what's actually dead... Mm. Then, then it kind of gets a bit like muddied because you're like, well, they don't count for VPs because there's because there's Shazvasti, but they but that's part of the mission, so it's like it's like a kind of awkward one. Yeah, we, because because while they while they don't count for VP, we're not calculating VP. We're calculating how many points are dead or in a null state. Yes, yeah, and at the end of the, and this is like, and I'll just. I was going to read you it, it because it's a really weird um, it's a really weird one but I can't find it at the, top, uh, at the moment yeah. Like I get my, yeah. yeah my my main thought on it for why it wasn't in there is when you look through comlog on missions like frontline or quadrant control it says as one of the rules that are in play in this mission, Shazvasti. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, same yeah. with same with how it's, it'll, it'll say that for baggage. It says baggage, baggage bots, or things with baggage rule count as an extra how many yeah. points. Shazvasti, things that are Shazvasti, if they're unconscious, still count for points in this zone. And that's not in that. In Annihilation, it doesn't say that for doesn't baggage. That, doesn't yeah. have baggage, doesn't have Shazvasti as listed as being in play. Yeah, in so the two bullet points actually did throw us off a bit because you read the first one, you go, during the game... Troopers in the spawn embryo, which is the state you go into when you go unconscious if you're Shazvasti, do not count as casualties for the purposes of determining the total point cost of surviving troops. You're like, okay, well, that means that they do count for annihilation and if they're still in the spawn embryo state. Mm. However, the last bullet point says, at the end of the game, troopers in the spawn embryo state are treated like unconscious troopers. That is, they do not count towards their players' victory points. So, when you read both of those together, you mm. go, well, they don't count towards victory points, but they do count towards... So, it was kind of like a bit of a confusing situation because the two bullet points kind of contradict each other for yeah. annihilation. So, um, yeah, I think with the way, with the way, we, with the way we ruled that, because you guys were you know, doing for time, we're like, yeah, they don't count, just you don't need to double tap them. It's fine. Yeah. But we were a bit unsure about the way that was. But read. that is the correct ruling. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, 
and it could have come in. It could have it could have come into play because, like, going into my third turn, I'm like, I, we kind of did need an answer because do I spend my third turn trying to kill things that are still alive on the table of his, or do I spend my third turn going around double tapping the things that are unconscious? Yeah. Um, to get points at all because there there was so many Shazvasti that were still unconscious on the, exactly, on the table. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so then at the end, I'd, I'd sort of taken out all of his main pieces, and then to get the final two points, I needed to kill his data tracker, which was hidden in the back corner in suppressive fire. I'm like, okay, it's a bit of a long shot with the orders <clears throat> I've got left. Advanced over there, and I ended up having one um, one order left to shoot at the guy in suppressive fire, and uh, shot my shot and missed uh, two out of three, and he passed his armor save. And so I still had one or left, but hit or two orders left, but he'd moved back into uh, total full cover. Total cover. Yeah. So I didn't have enough to, to get over there, and that was and that was that. So I ended up winning eight two, I think it was. Okay. Maybe seven two or seven one. Um, yeah, might have been eight one or seven one, but um, he had seventy points left on the table, and I had about two hundred and something. So, um. But no, it was good, um, good fun game, and that was that brought us to the end of the tournament. So five games in uh, in two days always takes it out of you. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, um, I've totally actually good. gone back now and uh, and done battle reports on all my five games, which I've posted up on the. Uh, oh yeah, because you did them all for Asteroid Blues, yeah, on the that, campaign. Excellent. Yes, exactly. It's part of the Asteroid Blues. We were Blues encouraging campaign. that for everyone who's playing because it's a great way of getting those games in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing battle reports, you know, uh, everyone's different, but I think getting those games in are, is really is a really great way of participating in the online campaign. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, so did you want to go through what happened after the five games? Uh, well, we did the presentations. And stuff. Yeah, we did the presentations. We uh, it was uh, again really well organized, really well coordinated by the, uh, us, the TOs, and and you, the players. We we were people were packing away tables nice and quick and. We were, I don't know, I think we were we were done by, what, 5 o'clock or something like that. Um, the, the, the presentation went really well. We had a shit ton of prizes. Uh, we did not think we had enough prizes. And then people came through and said, hey, have this, hey, have this. And CB were like, hey, have this. And we honestly thought that they were going to give us some patches, which we thought would be amazing because people love patches. But they ended up giving us, like, patches and boxes and badges and blisters and we're like holy shit <laughs> so yeah we had a heap of stuff um and i think everybody was really happy and house of war provided vouchers to spend in store so you know there's a great variety of, of of prizes as well um i mean like not that prizes are like important from to me per se but i think the the selection that we had i think it meant that everybody got to go away with like you know pretty much half of their um entry fee you know went back on on something uh, something useful like not just hey this is like a leftover blister like this is like here's a $15 voucher or uh, you know whatever so I think that was that was really good yeah uh, so like I came 12th in yeah. the tournament and I managed to pick up a $50 House of War voucher oh wow really because <laughs> there was so much other stuff on there yeah. that everybody in front of me in that in that all the other people 11 people in front of me picked up something else instead of a $50 voucher. Yeah, like, like we, we, right. we were doing like the, the, the sort of countdown because we're like, because TSI begs up to, to Toy Soldier Imports for sending us over a wildfire box set. 
and uh, Gavin Bateman, who who uh, won the tournament. Congratulations. Um, I've been told that he's a, always a bridesmaid, never the bride. So <laughs> can, well done. Well done there, big man. Uh, winning with uh, uh, the Scots, uh, Caledonia. Um, he was basically offered a $100 voucher or the wildfire box. And he went for the wildfire box. And then that meant that second place was like, well, I'll take the hundred dollar voucher. So it kind of all like kind of went down from there. Yeah, and snowballed. you know, by the time you got to tent, there was, you were still giving out like, you know, a whole Maghrib guard or something like that. So there was like lots of, lots of really good stuff um, on on offer there. And uh, yeah, big thanks to all of our supporters. I think I've already put that on uh, Infinite Australia and WGC. But um, thanks to everybody again, uh, everybody who donated, uh, painted uh, miniatures as well. Um, and to all the newbies as well, new players who came as well, um, who who also did remarkably well. I think we had one of the guys who is a relatively new player. I think he's had he has played a couple of tournaments, but he's you know on the sort of grand scheme of things, he's very Pretty new. new. Um, I think he he came somewhere in the sort of high high middle of the pack, which was uh, great to see as well. Uh, I could try and bring up the thing which I did just have straight up here before, but I've already lost it. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah, so I think it was uh, he came like fifteenth or something like that. Anyway, um, that's that's by and by. But they, yeah, it was really good, and um, I think everyone had a great time. Um, I did just want to have actually. Is there anything you want to say on this before we move on? Um, I did just want to um, spend a little bit of time today just doing a, a few stats because it's oh, always yeah, nice that's to, what I, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, actually, you've got a bit of statistics. To a few this. statistics, yeah, because it's always nice to, um, I know it's funny because ITS, you always get the ITS names and everyone's like, who the fuck's that guy? You know, because they've got like, you know, Dark Shadow 995 <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, who's that? Oh, it's Bob. You know, we don't know who anyone is, so yep. we did a little bit of work on, on Death, that. Death Knight 69. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's my PlayStation, like, <laughs> name from when I was 16. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'll do a quick thing of the rundown of the the, the I guess the uh, top. I don't know, whatever. Until I get bored, uh, we had first, which was Gavin. He was running Caledonia. Uh, second was Callum. He was running OSS. And uh, so the top three. Then running at the top three was um, Hector, um, our, our local. Um, well, Callum as well is also local. Hector is another another local. Uh, he he ran Nomads. Um, and then I guess we could do a. What do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the like the breakdown? I want to hear everything. You want to hear everything? Okay. Okay. Let's let's do everything. So, like I say, we had a one, two, three of Caledonia, OSS, and Nomads. Uh, we'll do a breakdown of armies. So, out of, I think it's, like out of. All of the factions and sectorials that are in the game, there were 19 represented, uh, which leaves 18 that weren't represented. So the ones which were represented were we had Pano, of the Panos, we had Pano, NCA Varuna, Vanilla Yu Jing, ISS. We had the only Ariadna player was Caledonia, who was uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, Gavin. Um, we, had, we had Rama. We had Vanilla Nomads, we had Bakunin, Tunguska, Combined, Shaz, uh, Steel Phalanx, OSS, Toha, Druze, Foreign Company, Spiral, and O12. But what's in really interesting is the what we had the most of, sort of, army-wise, was we had seven, play, uh, sorry, seven players running Combined Army. 
Uh, is that like vanilla and all the that's all the yeah so vanilla was seven which which broke down into three into four from shaz and three from combined army Mm -hmm. Uh, next up we had yu ching with six um which broke down into three from yu ching or three from vanilla and three iss players so we had no invincibles that's that's what i was going to point out Mm. as well that's that's quite interesting that that of the newest sectorial that's come out for that faction there's no one who's, who's playing it in this 40 person tournament yeah i thought it was interesting and, and because like it shows that i guess maybe just uh, melbourne's uh its own little bubble where we just seem, seem, seem to really enjoy playing iss even though they they don't work that well for people <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it could have come down to the mission selection as well it, it could have done yeah so i don't know if there's um because imperial service are very good at doing large order lists whereas mm-hmm. invincible army is pretty much exclusively limited insertion yeah, um, yeah is is that's i mean that in itself is going to be a big factor in that in that decision but maybe the the um the army so the mission selection mission selection could, could have had an influence on. i mean personally i don't think anyone picked up iss for this tournament i think a lot True. of people already had it and i think people um it's one of those armies that maybe just people love and they want to keep playing it um and, and, and not not change uh, or something like that but it was great, and it was all, but it was great to see three vanilla Yu Ching, which I think does reflect in this shift, not not so much away from sectorials, but to towards see, vanilla. To see to see yeah. vanilla a vanilla Yu Ching do really well, and we saw it at Nova Core, uh, there were some really good vanilla Yu Ching players. Do you have there. a do you have numbers on you on vanilla versus sectorials as a whole? Ooh, you know what? I don't, but I could probably do it. Thought my um, looking at it. Um, vanilla. We had one Pano, three Yu Ching, three Nomads. That's seven. Three Combined Armies. That's ten. Four Toha. So that's fourteen, and two oh twelve. So that's sixteen. Uh, 16 um out of the yeah 40. pretty much 16 out of the 19 no wait i can't be right 16 out of 40 players 16 out, sorry 16 out of 40 players yeah um had vanilla armies and i don't i don't feel like i would have seen as many of that uh, at, at um, other tournaments i don't know it's just maybe the way things are going but i do hear a lot of talk about yu ching online and, and in tournaments i'm doing really well so i guess it's not entirely surprising did you say there was no vanilla hack islam yeah so some of the surprises are, well i wouldn't say surprises but there was no vanilla hack islam there was no vanilla ariadna um there was no vanilla alef uh that's pretty much it for the vanilla but um they only had two hack players who were both playing rama mm-hmm. which is you know uh we've got a few hack players in the community but they they do kind of flip between you know, assassins and uh, vanilla and and Rama, um, nomads. We you know we had a solid. I mean, nomads are always around regardless of what's going on, be the be the um, vanilla or sectorial. But we had three three of those um, nomad players. Um, I say the three the three uh, combined army players. OSS were were very well represented with playing four, mm-hmm. um, and I think a couple of people picked them up. Not necessarily for this tournament, but they sort of have picked recently. them up more re- more recently. Um, and Toha again have seen a huge spike. Um, you know, 
their models are being discontinued, but it shows that people don't seem to care. Like people are quite happy to continue playing them because they know that that does not mean they're being squatted. Like, you know, because we um, and they're still a very strong army. Um, as for the NA two armies, we did have four of those rock up. Um, wait, four? Yeah, four. So we had um, we had two Spiral, uh, one Foreign Company, and one Druze. Um, and for us at Spiral as well. Uh, Andrew Noakes was playing Spiral and yeah. he was on top table against Gavin Bateman in final round. In the final round, yes. Uh, and that was a very tense game. Uh, we, 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 had a, we had a bit of a crowd being drawn for it. Um, by all accounts, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe let like the other guys talk about this game from, from what we were uh, looking at. It looked like Gavin was on the ropes. Uh, he was in the midst of calling it and um, sounds like he got, uh, he got well, I wouldn't say he got lucky, but... I think there was some. I think some dice maybe went in his favor, and it and it did turn the game around, and he ended up um, claiming claiming the win, in the end, and uh, securing first place, which was, which was really which was really great to see. I mean, I, I, I would have loved to have seen a Victorian take a, take the tournament. Um, someone like Andrew Noakes, who seems to consistently get like best um, like sports, um, putting like, you know. Putting some foot, some feet on necks um, on the weekend was quite was quite good to see. Um, but as yeah, so so as for the breakdown, I guess like that sort of wraps up most of it. I'll I'll happily post this online as well for people to have a bit more of a a look at. But there was um, yeah, there was definitely like uh, you know a lot of armies I didn't see, which I expected to see. Like Invincibles was one. Um, Tack Tack was another. No, no, nobody played them. Uh, Deschat as well was another one that we I think a lot of people have sort of looked at and gone oh, I've got models for that I could run that but haven't actually seen them GSA was another one that we have a lot of in the, in the community but um, they all seem to have been replaced with something yeah, else J- GSA is a funny one because it it's one that so many people just love the aesthetic of mm-hmm. and so so many people particularly when that when that big box came out last year uh, so many people jumped in to grab that for the JSA um, but I guess they might have just drifted away from it. And there's, there's been that many new new things come out since then that um, that there's a lot more on offer. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like it's, um, I haven't seen JSA played that extensively more recently, but um, for a while there was a lot of people playing them. Um, but yeah, there was uh, yeah a couple of surprises here and there with with the with the result or with the army uh, breakdown. Um, but yeah, well, I did, yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit of that how many shows Vasti players did you say there was we said i think i said there were four uh yes there was four sure so, so the they were them and oss were the most. were equal equal most represented um fact uh, factions like i guess sectorials or, or vanilla uh, toha actually toha was joint joint as well but i guess they're technically a vanilla mm. but yeah they they had four piece toha oss and shaz um, and like I say, combined army, like as a as a whole faction, they had the most with seven, uh, followed by Yu Jing and then ALF and Nomads. Yeah, right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting to see. I mean, like every, there's there's not anyone who would not say that OSS are a strong faction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of shows in the representation that they've seen over that the weekend there that people are cottoning onto that. Then Chaz Vasti as well. I mean, the recent releases, they've gotten some really beautiful new models and which everybody's getting with their with their wildfire 
that they're picking up. Um, I'm yeah. kind of surprised we didn't see more O12. Yeah, I guess, yeah, given that we've seen four Shazvasti, um, you know, an O12. Yeah. Well, I guess Shazvasti came out earlier than yeah. O12. And the model, the model range for O12 is a lot more restrictive at the moment than for anything else because they're only, they're brand new. All they've got is what you can get in Wildfire and that advance pack that came out. Um, they don't really have any other releases yet. Yeah, I mean, the highest, I mean, out of the two O12 players, the highest ranked one was uh, 22nd. That was Chris Johnson. Actually, congratulations to him because this was, was his first two day event. Um, and he'd only been playing O12 for about uh, four weeks, maybe, sure. at even if even that. So uh, well done to him. Um, I guess, like, uh, you were saying something there before, and I've just. Uh, slipped my mind. You were going. Oh yeah, Shaz. We had four four Shaz players, but and the highest ranked there was eleventh. Um, was Shaz. I think from my memory of the four people that were playing Shaz, I think maybe two of them had only recently. Well, once he recently picked them up, I think they had moved to them, and uh, maybe specifically for Burn City Brawl. Um, so I think you know people are like you know it's nice to see people trying things, trying different armies. Because um, there's quite a lot of different, uh, quite a lot of people here running different armies, mm. and then what I've seen, like I said, I was like, oh Ben, that's not Toha, um, and then again, like Gavin, I mean Gavin has played Caledonia before, but I think even that's you know an, an, an interesting, well it sure sort of shows that the best player won in a because we talk about OSS being really strong, um, and Caledonia won the day, won the day, is is real cool, so. Um, yeah, so that's that. Cool. Well, did I, I guess that's probably all we needed to talk about for um, the Burn City Brawl for the time being. I'm sure when uh, when the other guys jump on, uh, they'll want to have a bit of a, a recap on on how their weekends went. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I guess just as, as a wrap up, you you know, do you, you want to add anything else to your weekend overall? Any any takeaways? Any any feedback? Anything that you sort of you know, you mentioned during your games that you could have done X and Y better. Is there anything that I guess uh, you want to? Yeah, I mean, like the games, the games that I, uh, I, I always think that the games that you lose are the ones that you learn the most from. And um, in a couple of the, I mean, definitely in my quadrant control game, um, a game can kind of sometimes be won or lost in the deployment. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'd done some different things in deployment there to be more conscious about not just what I want to do in my game, but what my opponent's going to do in their game and how I'm going to counter that. Um, then, then that could have gone down a bit differently. But, um, but apart from that, I mean, I, I learned a few new things um, this weekend about a couple of different rules, things like um, uh, sensor with triangulated fire, being able to shoot into close combat yeah. If you shoot into close combat using triangulated fire, it's not no longer possible for you to hit your own friendly troop. That's it. Yeah, um, feel good. Which which is something that that is a bit niche, but when it comes out, can be a lifesaver. And if you know that you could do that, then it could definitely help you out. Mm-hmm. Um, things uh, things like that. But no, no. All in all, super great weekend. Really, really pleased to to have a two day tournament. In um in my hometown, so I can come back and not my hometown, my where I, where I live at the moment. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, you yeah. are in New South Wales. Yeah, I'm, I'm Novacastrian, born and bred. <laughs> um, and 
yeah, so to, to, to be able to come back and sleep in my own bed is lovely rather than than into a hotel or something. But. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And big, like I say, like big ups to the people who did come across. It's a it's a long journey and it's an ex, it's not a cheap journey, but it's a, sort of shows the strength of yeah. The one community. of the one of the guys is it Mark? Oh yeah, yeah, that came was hilarious. From, came from South Australia. For man, got, yeah. Got the text message on the Friday morning mm-hmm. that his flight had been cancelled. So he was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna make it there. Jumped in the car and decided to drive for ten hours. To get to Melbourne for uh, for arrived Friday night. Yeah, it was a legend because I was sending messages to people because I was going to do the airport runs for some of the people coming in and they were all sort of coming in around 7.30, o'clock. I was like, sweet, got space in the car for four of you. No worries. And then he messaged me at like nine o'clock saying, eh, Jetstar have cancelled my flight. And I'm like, well, it's all right. Qantas is still running. Get on. And he's like, nah, I'm just going to drive. I'm like, okay, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. Stay in touch. Watch out for the ruse. That's right. And then he went and uh, drove home on well he drove most of the way home on sunday after the tournament so um that's dedication and uh yeah really really great to meet mark as well um, i never met him before so uh great for him to come over and uh, experience this two-day event um and i hope that we can uh, re- repay the favor in in uh, maybe next year uh getting over there and they'll they'll put us up and put on a an yeah I, I mean i spoke to him a bit as well and by the sounds of things there's there's um definitely a f- a growing community in 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 South Australia, so yeah, maybe yeah. we'll find ourselves there one day. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, for some games. If this is how things are going at the moment, I can't wait to see what happens the next year. Cool. Well, um, I'm happy to wrap it up there. Yeah, no, yeah. I think me too. Yeah, I just want to give a big thanks to everybody again for making the event so successful and special. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to the next, the next, uh, the next big big event that um. Uh, ben is running over in Perth. That's it. All right. Well, um, listeners, thanks again for uh, thanks again for listening. And um, we uh, any feedback shoot through to us. But um, I, I hope we'll we'll hear from you guys again soon. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from us again soon. So you've been listening to Nick, and you were listening to Kevin. And this has been a loss of Lieutenant. Tonight. <laughs> I was about to say, and that was a white noise. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha